This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. A couple of armchair GMs who have yet to be wrong with any of their Timberwolves takes. <laughs> right. It's Flagrant Howls with Phil Mackey and Kyle Tyke. Yes, that's right. Oh, thank you. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> yes, all of you Timberwolves fans, this is your favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast where, uh, Kyle, we just want the Timberwolves to win 50 games. 50 is nifty. For the first time in 18 years, that is that is our benchmark for this team. Go win, go win 50 and yeah, uh low expectations. Do something in the playoffs maybe. We can we can set those expectations later. But uh a lot of stuff here and and we can kind of you know the fall weather is starting to arrive here and uh we can start to to sense training camps off in the distance. You're going to be back in Minneapolis for Wolves Media Day. And we already have some amazing Pat Bev fodder to start the show with. I was kind of wondering, how long is it going to take until, like, someone takes a shot at Pat Bev or Pat Bev takes a shot at the Timberwolves? He's always immersed in conflict. And so I'd love to just lay this out for the audience and get your reaction if you're if you're ready for some he said, she said drama. Let's do it. It was, uh, it was the perfect thing. This is like the last week of summer vacation, kind of, before the NBA kicks off. So, um... And again, we're on the one-year anniversary of the Gerson Rosas firing, so I didn't want to have another sex scandal. Um, so Pat Bev just throwing a, a, a small match into the fire was like the perfect way for us to kind of end summer vacation. Yeah, and if you want to, a uh, little bonus plug here on Mackie and Judd today on the the Scoop with Doogie, we did a sort of a one-year reflection looking back on, okay, it's been one year since Gerson Rosas was let go and took him a while, but then they bring in... Connolly, and so if, if you want kind of a deep dive state of the Timberwolves in the last year, you can check that out on Mackie and Judd and the Score North YouTube channel. And the moral of the story, too, as we're finding out with Boston here, don't sleep with your coworkers. Okay, just just don't, don't do sleep it. with don't sleep with your coworkers. Just, yeah, don't do it. Because there's it never ends well professionally. Um, so Paul Pierce, so Kevin Garnett is doing content now for MGM. He's yeah. like in all these MGM commercials and he's doing like social media videos and stuff for MGM, I guess. You know, what's kind of weird is that he is so good, right? Because he is so unfiltered, but he also is so knowledgeable. Um, but it's kind of weird that he's never stuck, right? Like he's never he was he had that like, um, what is it like Area 21 on yeah. TNT for a while. And yes. I thought those interviews were pretty good because, as, as you know, this like athletes usually are some athletes can get the most out of other athletes because it's I played, they didn't type thing. So area 21 kind of went away and now he's doing this MGM thing. But um, yeah, he had Paul Pierce on this week uh, and they had a pretty good conversation about the Timberwolves. Yeah. And Paul Pierce said, Paul Pierce is drinking a ton of Timberwolves Kool-Aid here. Yeah. And he said, he thinks Rudy Gobert makes them a top four seed in the Western conference. They can, they can do something and maybe make a run in the playoffs. And in that clip, KG pushed back a little bit. You know, he didn't like savage anyone, but he said, yeah, you, he's like, you really, you really think so? He said, and he said he worries that they lost too much of their core. And, and Pierce came back and he's like, I mean, they, 
what did they really give up though? They and, and KG clarified by core he means the heartbeat, the grinder guys. Yeah. That they lost Pet Bev and they lost Jared Vanderbilt. And and so he's and again, KG didn't like go in on the wolves or anything, but he said, I just kinda wonder when you lose grinder guys like that, how do you make up for it? And then Pat Beverly saw this clip on social media. And he said, y'all take Tony Allen off that Celtic squad from like 15 years ago, and y'all are a different team. That's all I'm saying. Toughness and dog mentality goes further when skill doesn't work hard. So I guess two questions for you, Kyle. Who do you think – well, I'll just get right to it. Is this the second veteran guard that has left the Timberwolves and and basically savaged Carl Anthony Towns without saying his name? And – and or because Jimmy Butler, yep. Uh, and or B, to what extent do you worry the Wolves don't have enough dog in them, so to speak, now that Vanderbilt and Pat Bev are gone? So two great questions, and I could go an hour on each. So thank number you, one, oh, num- thank you. <laughs> so thank you, everybody. Num- number one, I do think Pat Bev is also good at this media stuff. He had a new podcast. Um, he's going to be doing this as soon as he retires. But I think, and I love Pat Bev, I have the shirt, but I think that you and I could be talking about chicken Alfredo and how it's a really good meal, and Pat Bev would interject and somehow make it about him. So I think that, I don't think KG or Paul Pierce were really like, I mean, I think Pat, what Pat's pissed off about is that he left a team that he put a lot of his energy into the new culture, and now he's like, okay, well, now I'm gone. And it's like somehow the team's just going to get that much better. And he's not necessarily correlating the two of like, you were a big part of this, but they added this as we get into later, like top 20 player. Um, from all accounts that I know, like I know Pat Bev was pretty close with Carl and with Ant. They uh, only Patrick Beverly would have a welcome to LA invite only party when he got traded to the Lakers, where he had this magnificent, you can go find on Instagram, this crazy party. Carl and Ant were there, but I think they might have been the only two guys there. So I don't think Pat was taking a shot necessarily at Carl or Ant. I don't know if he was taking a shot at other guys on that roster. Could have been a um, D-Lo shot. Could have been a D-Lo shot. Could have been, been a D-Lo shot. Could have been, I mean, it could have been a shot against a lot of guys. Um, mm-hmm. But it also, too, it's like I don't think in this scenario, I think it was more about Pat Bev just being like, hey, don't forget how much I brought to that team. Um, but on the second thing, I think it's actually my number one worry. And it's something I want to ask on media day is that I don't, I asked this to Dane last week and I kind of burning questions. Who is the voice of that locker room now? Um, and it's not, you know, it's not always the highest paid guy. It's not always the best player who is going to like get that team out of the mud when they lose three straight in early December. Um, because, and maybe it is finally Carl, right? He has his best season. He's all NBA. He gets paid. He's kind of the most comfortable he's ever been. It hasn't been him for the most part, right? It hasn't been D'Lo. Um, it hasn't been Ant. So I don't know if it can be Kyle Anderson. I don't know if it can be Torian Prince. Um, Rudy Gobert was not always um, invited over to after-game barbecues in Utah. Like, I don't know if his teammates always loved him. So I think the removal of Pat Bev and who's going to lead that team in the locker room when the coaches aren't in there on the bus, on the plane, is a huge thing. And I also think when it comes back to this situation with him being like, Y'all took Tony Allen off the team. I think that's more of just him trying to be like, hey, I was a big deal. Yeah. Less than him being like, those guys aren't don't have that dog in them. Yeah. The this is so fascinating because there there's like you kind of said, there's 
There's the whole. Let's start with the Pat Bev part of this. Yeah, His yeah, entire yeah. career, the thing that makes him great is also the thing that makes him say ludicrous things like those Celtics teams wouldn't have been anything without Tony Allen. <laughs> right. Well, right. Tony Allen was a really good sort of Swiss Army knife player for those of you who remember the the 15 years ago Celtics. But uh, KG had that dog in him too, and mm-hmm. Paul Pierce did too. When I look at, like, if you're going to do some comparison to those Celtics teams to, like, this Timberwolves team, which that's I know that's not a comparison a bunch of people are making, but right, right, right. the superstars had, quote-unquote, dog in them. Ray mm-hmm. Allen, those guys were just, like, they were all leaders and vocal, and that's part of the reason why they why they didn't get along at times and there was some friction. And I think you nailed it with this Timberwolves team. The stars on this team, and we will get to the ESPN Top 100 list, the stars on this team aren't necessarily the alpha personalities. Carl Anthony Towns has not been the alpha leader. This is my team. Sometimes he'll say the right thing, but that's just not an expectation I would have after seven years for him. I don't I don't think that's who he is. Rudy Gobert, um, kind of a, a similar vibe in Utah and that he's great on the court, but he might not necessarily be the guy that holds up the torch and everyone follows him. I think of the three superstars, Anthony Edwards has to morph into this, but I don't know that he's going to do it when he's 21 or 22 years old yet. So it'll be interesting to see the social dynamic and the leadership dynamic stemming from him this year. But I think it is a fair, I don't think it's fair to say, well, now they're going to be worthless without me, which is Pat Bev's ego talking and, and, and preserving that ego probably preserves his career because he's been this little dog that barks, and that's carried him for 10-plus years. So it's not fair to say, I'm gone, you guys are screwed. But I think it is fair to say, yeah, there's a little bit of a void when you when you take a guy like that out of the locker room and off the team. I think you just have to hope that the work that he put in, you, you thank him for the year that he put in, and hopefully some of that rubbed off on other players and they can take the torch and go forward. And it doesn't always have to be, like you said, a star. You know, ideally, your stars are are that guy. But... Maybe there's a couple other guys on this team that are more role players that can step up and provide that vocal leadership. We'll see. Yeah, and, you know, I know we mentioned D'Lo as maybe a candidate that Pat was talking about. It might not have been D'Lo because while we're going to get into his ranks and stuff, I've always heard that he's actually kind of a beloved teammate. Um, mm-hmm. He's always been one of the guys that the younger guys really look up to at all levels of where he's been across the league. Um, so going back to, like, is this anything? Is this, you know, something? Um Garnett kind of also called out Carl Anthony Towns a little bit and Anthony Edwards when he's like, you know, Cat's got to, you know, be more decisive. He's got to make better decisions and it's got to be a better leader. So if you start to have multiple people and these guys talk all the time in turn, like these players talk all the time. If you have multiple people starting to question the dog you have in you and the meme, um, it's probably something. I don't think this is that major, but you know, one one time or whatever the saying is, like, fool me once, shame on you. Like, the second, third time this starts coming up, you got to at least be like, yeah. okay, like, do one of these guys need to make some sort of adjustment to how they try to lead and how they try to get people to believe in them. It's for sure a thing with Cat. I think it's it, – I don't I don't think we know enough about Ant, but we've seen some great signs personality-wise with him. Uh, I will say that what he said about the gay community last week is something I never want to hear or see from him ever again. I am glad that he came out and owned it. He didn't apologize if you were offended. He just apologized for it. Um, so I, I hated that, and I think like that's kind of a window into his maturity level. So I'll put Ant aside for a second because he's a 21-year-old kid for now, but 
Carl Anthony Towns is a grown adult. And I think, you know, there's a lot of people that are listening or watching this right now that remember what I was saying after game three when they blew a 26 point lead. And I stand by all of my criticisms of his demeanor and his emotional uh, unintelligence sometimes on a basketball court. And if you're any of these big names, Kevin Garnett, Shaq, all these guys that have criticized him for years and years for either being soft or for shrinking in that playoff series against Houston or for getting clowned or punked by Jimmy Butler, whatever it is. Okay. He's back in the playoffs last year, the playing game, starting with the playing game against the Clippers and the playoffs against, against Memphis. And this is now much more your team. It's your chance to show the world who you are. And three times in the seven games they played, six against Memphis, once against the Clippers, he melted down mentally, took himself out of games with dumb offensive fouls, whining to the officials and all those things. And um, whether you want to call that soft or whether you want to call it, you know, not having a dog in you or whatever it is, it needs to get cleaned up for him to maximize who he is as a player and for the team to maximize where they can go. You can't just play those seven games and have your most skilled best player be absent for 20 or 25 minutes or just committing space cadet offensive fouls because you're frustrated, right? So I don't know if those are the things Pat Bev was referring to, but those are obvious things that the top players who go deep in the NBA playoffs, they don't they don't do that stuff as often as Carl Anthony Towns does. If you power ranked the Warriors who just won their last you know the, the finals earlier this summer, um, from like who was their best top five guys versus who were probably their five biggest leaders, their top five guys on their championship run was probably like Steph Wiggins, maybe Draymond or Clay. I mean, some order, but like their leadership guys, I doubt Steph Curry was the loudest guy in that locker room. It mm-hmm. was Draymond Green. But ahead of Steph was also like Andre Iguodala, who is beloved as a teammate. There's that viral clip of him like grabbing Wiggins during a playoff game, kind of yelling at him a little bit. And then Wiggins went off and got 30 rebounds a game because he realized, oh shit, this is really easy. Um, I think that's the similar case here is that I don't think your best player has to be the loudest guy. So I don't think Carl has to be the loudest guy. He's, you know, you talk about soft and stuff. I think he's not, this is a whole talk about management and leadership. Like he's not the loudest guy. He's not a bully. I mean, sometimes Jimmy Butler would lead by force, right? Like he would just. He almost fought. He tried to fight Eric Spolster last year. Right, right. So, I mean, like, I don't know <laughs> if I love that either. Um, yeah. But I do think that like a guy like Kyle Anderson, a guy like Torian Prince will maybe be that Iguodala role. But I still think at the end of the day, and this goes back into, we'll talk about this with player rankings and stuff like I believe the Daryl Morey model of just having as much talent as possible like you want the biggest superstars on your team and you figure the rest out so to to this conversation here getting rid of a Pat Bev who was very important getting rid of a Vando who did all these dirty things and like in a positive way that you Mm -hmm. don't really see in a box score um you do that for a top 20 guy in Rudy Gobert every single time this isn't football this isn't baseball you have five guys on the floor you want as much pure talent as you can get. But you lost, you know, in a football analogy, you lost 90 catches in Pat Bev. You lost 9,000 words a night in the locker room. Who's going to replace some of those words? Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be one of the most fascinating things for this upcoming season. Yeah. And that's a good segue, by the way, into talent. Because ESPN, so they have this panel of like <laughs> 200 people. It's 200, yeah, the way they explain it is 200 reporters, editors, producers, and analysts. So it's, to be clear, it's outsiders. It's, it's And these people talk to people in the league and whatnot, but this isn't a player poll or a front office poll. It is people that cover the game, essentially. 
ranking the top 100 NBA players. And I thought it was really interesting when the the 26 through 100 portion of the list came out, and the only Timberwolf on that portion was D'Lo, and he was at like 83. 93. 93, okay. And my first thought was, God, did they leave Anthony Edwards out of the hundred? I know that analytically he was kind of a you know maybe wasn't as impressive, but they so they put Anthony Edwards twenty fifth on this list, and this is kind of project it's projecting just this upcoming season, and it's projecting who they think is going to take a leap forward because last year he was fifty second going into the season, and right. right now there are players behind him on this list that he is not as good as right now, but but this is assuming the work he has put in, the age that he's at, the third year leap that this will come to fruition in 2022-23. So they've got Edwards 25th. I'll just speed through the, the the 25 here until we get to the other Wolves. Donovan Mitchell 24, Bam Adebayo 23, Jalen Brown 22, Chris Paul 21, Anthony Davis, Bradley Beal, Rudy Gobert is 18, Jimmy Butler, Trey Young, Paul George, Damian Lillard, and Carl Anthony Towns is 13th on this list. The Timberwolves are the only team in the NBA with three top 25 players on their roster, Kyle. We could do six hours on this pod because there's so much to get into. Um, But let's start at the top because I think that might be the most interesting of the top 100. The the fourth guy to make it for the Wolves is probably also the most interesting conversation to have with you um, because D'Angelo Russell was 93rd. He was 63rd last year. Um, I know... D'Angelo Russell is a hot button topic and some people online that have like snowflakes in their Twitter bios usually really like him and some people really don't like him. I've always been a bigger fan of his than average because I do think, again, I know Jalen Noel, Jaden McDaniels, um, Nas Reed, like look up to that guy. He, they believe that he gives them a lot of, you know, belief and he empowers them and they kind of love looking up to him. And he's also probably a sneaky, really good leader behind the scenes. I have no idea how he dropped 30 rankings. He's behind guys like Mike Conley, Karis LeVert. Lonzo Ball might have one leg. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, but like he just had another <laughs> knee surgery. Like, yeah. his knees are in trouble. He's behind Tyler Hero by a lot and like Russell Westbrook. I understand the amount of money D'Lo makes is what kind of chafes people sometimes because they don't think he's a max guy. But there's no way – I mean, that guy played a really big part in what happened last year. And back to what you said earlier, how Carl didn't show up in the playing game, they don't win that playing game without D'Angelo Russell. We look at Ant leading the team. I think he had like 30-some points. D'Lo had one less point than him. So I know you've been skeptical of him sometimes. That is fair because I think you should be skeptical of all these guys, right, especially how they kind of flamed out in the playoffs. But there's no way in my mind he should drop 30 rankings and be behind some of these guys that like – Karis LeVert and Jordan Clarkson are, are microwave scorers too, but they don't like have any real like distribution skills. They don't really make their teammates better. D'Angelo Russell is a really good passer. So that was the number one thing that's like, I don't think he's top 50. I don't think he's top 60, but he, he probably could have been like top 75. Don't you think? Let's, let's actually go deep on this D'Lo conversation here. Let's put the, let's put the three top 25 superstars thing on ice till, uh, till, uh, after we're done with this, because it goes hand in hand with CBS Sports. This must be ranking season, I guess, in NBA media. We're just we're just gonna we rank are, everything. We are thirsty for content. We're gonna we're gonna rank. So they ranked point guards, and arbitrarily they ranked the top twenty-two point guards on CBSSports.com. 
Yep. I don't know why it wasn't just a top 10, top 20. They just <laughs> they just ranked 22, the top 22 yep. point guards. And and they did include because in today's NBA, the definition of a point guard is not as traditional as it was 15, 20, 30 years ago. Right. Like like Luca is the second best point guard on this list because he because he handles the ball. Yeah. He's not a traditional point guard in that sense. If you just have the whoever the ball dominant guy, like LeBron yep. could be classified as a point guard. Right. But um, but the way they I'll just I'll just run through them here. Steph Curry number one, Luca number two, John Morant three, Damian Lillard four, Trey Young, Chris Paul, James Harden, Drew Holiday, Kyrie Irving, Jamal Murray are the top ten. Um Shai Alexander, Fred Van Vliet, Darius Garland, Ben Simmons, 14th, LaMelo Ball, 15th. Cade Cunningham, C.J. McCollum now classified as a point guard, Marcus Smart, Tyrese Maxey, Tyrese Halliburton, Jalen Brunson, 21st, De'Aaron Fox, 22nd. So I guess I'll throw it back to you and say, is it fair to say that D'Angelo Russell is not one of the 22? And I'm, listen, I've got, I've got bones to pick with his game in some areas, but 23rd or worse? I don't know that I can rank him out of the top 22 among point guards. I was, and I hate lists. I try to ignore them. But this is, we, yeah, this is exactly what it. they want us to do. Exactly. Go on I, the podcast. Clicky, clicky, clickety click. I'm never going to get mad online. I'm just going to spew all those thoughts to my wife and my dad via text message. Um, I was legitimately day ruined, offended by D'Lo being 93rd. <laughs> In the ESPN one, that is ridiculous. He's not, there are not 92 bit players better than him. The CBS rankings, I'm not as upset because, first of all, when you, when you list it like CJ McCollum and James Harden, if you're going to consider them point guards, they are probably better players than D'Lo. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the point guard position based on this CBS rankings, I mean, if Darren Fox is 22, he's pretty good. But if you go look at the four other positions, to get to 22 guys, I almost made those lists. Like, there are not 22 good NBA centers. Go look at who's, like, 21st. It's like, that guy is not even, like, a top 100 player. So, yeah, I think this told me that the point guard position, if you're going to let it be guys who handle the ball a lot, okay, there might be 22 guys that are better at handling the ball. But then I also kind of, like, I think, and this is a, for deep diving, the D'Lo stuff, whether it be contract, whether it be his situation – with Nick Young way back in the day, which I think Dilo was right on, by the way, um, or Whoa. just <laughs> what was it? He like put a he like he like outed Nick Young for cheating or something, right? Kind of, yeah. Again, that's the uh, again. Just don't have affairs. I think that would be the message this week. <laughs> don't but, sleep with your coworkers. Don't have affairs. Okay, life yeah, exactly. advice. Not that hard. There's other people out there. Other fish in the sea. But like, <laughs> if you don't like Dilo because of his attitude, then I'm really upset that you're going to put Ben Simmons way ahead of him. I think Ben Simmons is a really good player and he's probably going to have a good season, but like, mm-hmm. I don't know. There's just some guys on that list. Like, I don't know if you had to pick one guy to make, to, to put on this Timberwolves team to fit with all these pieces. Now, are you going to take Jalen Brunson Ooh. or, or D'Angelo Russell? Because to me, it's not even close. Like I get the, well, I Brunson mean, can score. Wait, you're saying anyone on like anyone no, on the those, point guard list? No, no, no. Just those two guys, for example. So you, you know, the others starting for Ant, Jaden, Carl, Rudy, if you need to find a point guard, are you going to have Jalen Brunson or D'Angelo Russell? Because I think D'Angelo Russell makes his teammates better. He is a really flashy passer. And yes. he, they're the same age. Like, they're both 26. Um, I think D'Lo is a little longer. I think he's told he has said himself he's not athletic. He is much more cerebral. Um, yeah. But I, 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 
And this was a thing I brought up to Dane last week too. D'Angelo Russell has never really ran point guard for this team. Um, when he got in here, he had that first kind of half weird season when they landed the private jet in the middle of January. Um, and then the next summer they get Ricky Rubio. So he's sharing a backcourt. They get rid of Rubio. They bring in Pat Bev. He's sharing a backcourt. This is like the first year he's going to really just play traditional point guard. Um, and he's never really complained about his role. So I don't know. Again, you've got me all pissed off now about ranks. This is great. And so this has been successful. <laughs> Congrats to CBS and ESPN. But um, I, I just don't think, I don't think there's 92 players better than D'Lo. But if you're going to give point guard rankings to guys who just control the ball a lot, then there might be 22 guys better than him in that case, especially when you throw Luca and James yeah. Harden in there. So, God, there's so much to unpack here. Um, let's start with the fit for this team. My, 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 my biggest. He's he is a good player, and I think I think D'Lo has been a calming presence at times. He has he has been a guy that will pull teammates aside at times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's there are there have been some really good things about his two and a half seasons with the Timberwolves, and overall he is a positive value player. I think what bothers me sometimes about his game is his lack of sports self-awareness and that he thinks when he's on the court and and I know that you need to have this level of self-confidence or you probably won't make it in the jungle of the NBA but sometimes he thinks he is Kobe Bryant can hit a shot from anywhere and he should be the one that takes big shots in situations where it, it, it would be better if you were to set someone else up. And so I see how great of a passer and a distributor he can be when he's focused on that part of his game. But then there's other situations where, all right, it's late, need a bucket, or a team's going on a run in the second half, and it becomes the D'Lo heat check show. And he thinks, oh, now it's, okay, the game is starting to kind of come back the other way, and instead of me using my distribution skills, it's me using my pull-up with a hand in my face from 20 feet skills or launch a three-pointer six seconds into the shot clock. So there's, to me, but sometimes he does that and he'll take over a game, like the play-in game, he did it, and and if he didn't do that, they don't beat the Clippers in the play-in game. So some of the things that make him a really good player, I think also make him a less efficient player. I mean, at the end of the day, he is a volume-scoring combo guard. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. he is, he sh- he shot true, yeah. he shot forty one percent from the field. He only shot thirty four percent from three point range, and he took eight of those a game. And uh, and he's and he's taking fifteen shots to get to eighteen points with other really efficient offensive players around him. And I think Ant's going to become more efficient too. So I guess my and then I, well, just real quick, my second complaint about him, and it's kind of a small sample size. It's like an eleven or twelve game sample size is. His playoff performance takes a huge dip compared to his regular season performance. He shoots like 33% in the playoffs. So like the volume scoring version you get in the regular season becomes a greater version of that in a bad way. So what I'd love to see him do is just lean into the distribution part of his game more. Mm -hmm. I don't need you. I don't need games where you're trying to take over offensively so often. Once in a while. Awesome. If the ball comes back around to you and you're open for a spot-up three, great. But too often, I think he tries to dictate, all right, I'm going to change the game offensively. But you're not Kobe, dude. Like, you're not you're not James Harden. You're not on that level offensively trying to take over a game. So, I don't know. No, Go ahead let's and poke keep, no, holes in that. No, no, no. Let's keep going because you can like D'Lo or not like D'Lo and say he was not good in the playoffs against the Grizzlies. That is just kind of fact. He kind of copped to that that Saturday morning when we did exit interviews, um, 
Carl wasn't that good. A lot of guys weren't that good. But as we're on this topic, Dilo wasn't that good. I kind of just always come back to like he is making or he was on like the same contract as Carl Anthony Towns. He only took 12 shots a game in the playoffs and he averaged six and a half assists. I would love those assists to be closer to eight, you know, nine. Like you just said, distribute more because he is, I think, a super underrated passer. Mm -hmm. But I just, you know, kind of and I don't know, this could just be me and me alone. I do like the fact that he's never really he's not a I don't think he's a gunner. In sense, like I, I, not to push back on you, but like he, no, you can push, you can push back all take, day. He didn't I'm not, take, I'm not right shots. all the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? He didn't take, I mean, he had one game in the playoffs where he took 21 shots. Um, and I think they lost that game pretty handily, but like he, he does seem to embrace his role a little bit. Mm-hmm. And on, on this situation now, when he's going to have a, a, a much better pick and roll partner in Rudy Gobert than I think Vando was because Gobert is just the size of Godzilla, um, and has probably better hands. I think you're going to see those assist numbers go up, but I don't know. You just, at least for me, I've never heard him behind the scenes chafing at this idea that I need more shots. Like he does seem most of the time to be happy, you know, taking that extra pass to Anthony Edwards, taking an extra pass to Jaden. However, when he does kind of take that heat check shot or he, one of my least favorite shots by anyone, including him is those kind of dribble up in transition, just big threes. It's like, just go to the basket, try to get fouled. Um, but I do want to ask you one thing, because this came up this week. Mm-hmm. I also wonder, and I apologize already to anyone who uses their left hand. There was a viral video this week, going back to football, where someone took the video of Tua, the Miami Dolphins quarterback, and just <laughs> flipped it and made all of his throws right-handed. And I am so sorry, but he looked like a much better quarterback. <laughs> and I do wonder if you flipped all of D'Angelo Russell's synergy shots and made them right-handed, if you would be like, you know what? That was a good shot. I don't know what it is. I love left-handed people, but I don't love left-handed quarterbacks. I don't love left-handed shooters. I never like how Harden shoots. Um, I think Brunson's the same way. Like Julius Randle, all these. I just don't like watching left-handed people shoot. I'm yeah, sorry. Just, it just looks weird. Yeah. But if no, you flipped it around, I think you'd be like, you know what? That was a pretty good shot by D'Lo. It, it was in the rhythm of the offense. So I think your criticisms are fair. I've heard them prior to us teaming up this summer. Um, But I do think for the most part, he doesn't, demand offensively what a $35 million a year guy would demand. I don't think he's a shot chucker, but when he does take a heat check shot and it doesn't go in, it does look really, really bad. So, and whether, and, and maybe we're debating semantics here a little bit too. And we that, might like, be. Yeah, right. he, does, he, he had, he had the most shots he took in a game last year was 25 and it happened twice. In fact, okay. he only he only took 20 shots or more nine times in the 65 games that he played. I'm just looking at the regular season. Okay. So he at least has somewhat of a governor on, all right, well, I'm, I'm not going to shoot 30 times tonight. But this is this is what bothers me statistically because I I just my, – my eye test tells me there's so many games where he just lays bricks for two hours. And whether he's taken 15 bricks or 22 bricks, it's like – why is your shot gone tonight? Why is your mm-hmm. well, yeah. it's it, like it, it feels extreme to me. And I just looked this up. In 20 of the 65 games. So what's that? 25 by 65. Like 30. So in 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 one in every 3 games basically, he shot under 33% from the field. Which is just kind of a kind of a shipwreck yep. thing when you're shooting 15 times in a game. So and so in those games he averaged taking about 15 shots. So I'm starting a third of my games with you taking a 30% field goal rate 
chunk out of our offense. And now I have to, the rest of the team has to make up for it in other ways, offensively or defensively. From a three-point standpoint, this is another thing. So he shot, this is nuts. He shot 37%, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He shot under 30% from three in 40% of the games last year. And in those games, he averaged taking eight and a half threes. So it's just okay. it, like he okay. gets he gets down the inefficiency bad. path in like a third or half the games. He doesn't have it. I'll just yep. let's get out of the stats yep. for a second because no one cares about stats. <laughs> All right. I just made everyone's eyes glaze over in a third to a half of the games. He doesn't have it offensively. Mm-hmm. OK. Yep. And yet he is still taking 15 total shots in those games and call it eight to nine threes in those games. And I wish that there was a way for him to be more efficient more often so that you don't have these games, these three for 12s, two for 11s, three for 14s, six of 16, like on and on and on. Or if there is a way for him to kind of know, all right, going into the season, in about 30 to 40% of the games, for whatever reason, I'm just not going to have it offensively. And so I'm going to dish 13 assists tonight and grab a bunch of rebounds or something. Yeah. You know? So I don't know. That's That's my... And I would say this. I've already kind of said my piece about how I'm kind of a bigger fan than most. Um, But I do think the one bugaboo I have on him, and it's more of just how I want my starting five or my team designed. um, Cat's not a great, like he's not very physical, right? He kind of does hang around the perimeter more. So he doesn't draw a lot of free throws. Jaden McDaniels doesn't really draw a lot of free throws. Maybe Rudy Gobert does, but he's not a very good free throw shooter. But D'Angelo Russell is like maybe their team's best free throw shooter. And he is like, he averages like, 3.1 3.1 free throw attempts per game over his career. Yeah. I those 20 22 other guys on that list, I would bet damn near all of them average way more than that. Um without like looking them all up. So mm-hmm. when and that's what you see Harden do, right? Like if you're watching a Sixers game and deep into the first quarter he's 0 for 5, he just gets the ball, puts his head down and dribbles to the rim and gets fouls. So that's some and that's something too that not only is that good for your stats, but it also like if it's how you stop a run. Right, like if the team's on an eight, your your opponent's on eight zero run, get to the free throw line, go get two points, calm everyone down, like, yeah. and that's where the lack of maybe explosion or physicality or athleticism does hurt him. But I don't know he was really good at drawing those three point fouls where he just kind of up faked a guy and then kind of got into their body. He did that all year. People hate it, but the league calls it. He didn't do that once in the playoffs. I remember that specifically being like he didn't draw one, like foul from beyond the arc and just like Mm. trying to like stem the tide and get everything reset. So I'm with you that like, I don't need him to average 22 points. He probably is comfortable not, but this year with Rudy Gobert, I think it would probably be criminal if he doesn't average a career high in assists. Like I think his career high might be, I think his career high was 7.1 assists last year with the wolves. He has to average eight. He has to be in the top 10 for assists per game because he gets the ball more. He's got better players around him that, will finish for him, so he has to have eight assists a game. I would love to see. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And I and I know that I've, I've been hard on him, but he's a good player. I think he's going to be better this year with everything around him. Yeah. And it's a contract year. There's all sorts of reasons why he should have maybe a career season this year. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that career season, like you just said, needs to be going from 18 to 24 points a game or anything. Mm-hmm. Maybe the career season is... He's going from seven to nine assists per game, and he is just stirring the drink. Yep. And then the and then the offense instead of him 
having these possessions where, all right, I'm going to come up and play some hero ball. No, man, keep stirring the drink. And then when it comes back to you organically, boom, take that wide open three, get to the lane, whatever it is, right? Like, that's what I want to see. The Michael Scott explained basketball to me like I'm seven would be the Wolves the last couple of years have had a D'Lo Rubio backcourt, a D'Lo Pat Bev backcourt, and now it's going to be D'Lo Ant. I know this sounds really dumb, but like they don't have a lot of guys that can dribble in that, you know, that, that starting five, I mean, because Gobert is a big center. Carl's another center who you now play at the four. Jaden's dribbled 12 times last year combined. Don't, <laughs> don't fact check check. Um, but I think you need D'Lo to, he is the straw that stirs the drink. He is not their best player. We just talked about it by ranks. He's not even one of their three best players um, by rankings, but he has to be the guy now who's going to have the ball more. Also, I like Jordan McLaughlin, but they don't have a lot. That's probably one of like their Achilles heels is they don't have a ton of point guard depth. So you might be asking a guy in a career year to also play an uptick in minutes. So he needs to be able to be their floor general. He has to be their Chris Paul. Chris Paul at 52 years old is not the most athletic guy in the Suns, but <laughs> he gets guys in positions. He gets, you know, his center. He gets eight in those 14 points just off of dunks and tip tip back. So that's what he needs to do with Rudy. He's got more of a complimentary piece at center that he can run pick and rolls with. But um, I'm with you. It is a contract year. He is represented by the same agent that represents Conley Towns, Devin Booker. They both cashed in this summer. D'Lo did not. Uh, I think he's got a chip on his shoulder. And the best way to show value to this team, because they're the one team that can pay you the most, is to be like, hey, I average 10 assists a game and we won 55 games. Yes, I molded and evolved my game to help the greater good yep, of, yep. of the team. And yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be such an interesting year for him. Just going back to the top 100 list, or specifically the top 25 yeah, portion. Yep. So I actually, there's a couple on here, man. And I think they've released now 10 through 6, so we know everything up to the top 5. I don't know how you can put... And I don't know that Carl Anthony Towns needs to be higher, but I don't know how you can put James Harden 11th on a top 100 NBA list after what you saw the last couple seasons. Is he really the 11th best player in the NBA still? I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, I think it is still more of a guards league, you know? Like, I'm with you on that. I actually didn't. Let's just go back to ESPN because I think the CBS rankings, the only thing that was, in my mind, really that interesting was the D'Lo part. Yeah. Um, but the but the ESPN rankings like Ant at 25 was well ahead of guys like LaMelo Ball, who they were drafted right next to each other. Scotty Barnes, Evan Mobley, Zach Levine, Kate Cunningham, um, Barnes, Mobley, Ball and Cunningham. Those guys are all in Ant's age range. So for him to be the top of all those guys, I think was right. I think it was good. I think that's, you know, banner worthy at Target Center. Mm-hmm. Rudy Gobert being 18th ahead of Anthony Davis and Bam out of Bayou. Again, I think that's where you just kind of like get in the car and get out of here. Like, I think that's a steal. I think you could make, I don't, I know Jace Frederick and Dane talked about this. Earlier. I I think I might still have Anthony Davis from a, I mean, he, when he's healthy, I know he plays 30 games a year, but he's really, really good. And he's one of those stock down guys that you should invest in because offensively, Anthony Davis is well beyond what Rudy can do. But I mean, yeah, I think Rudy being ahead of Bam is, is right. And then Carl, I didn't have as much problem with him being behind Harden as it's just like, I just kind of closed my mouth and shook my head when it's like he was ahead of Paul George. Paul George is a demon. Like that guy was the only thing the Clippers really had in that playing game. And he go back and watch some of those fourth quarter highlights. Yeah. He just hit absurd three after absurd three. And again, 
in a guard and wing league, like I, I think Carl being ahead of Paul George is probably fair, but it was also kind of like, because you could have had those two flipped and I would have been like, Oh, that's fine. But yeah, the Harden thing, I don't know. I think people just, like you said, 200 people voted on this from ESPN. It was probably Stephen A. Smith and 199 of his assistants, but I'm not going to get that <laughs> upset about it. it but I do think the thing that needs to be discussed ESPN rankings is that if you have three of the top 25 players in the league and no one really chafes at it, like, yeah, Ant, top 25, Rudy Carl, top 20. Well, then wasn't that trade worth it? And like, isn't this team a title contender? Yes, absolutely. People, and by the way, here's the other crazy thing of this. And th- this list is validating all of our takes about the Gobert yeah. trade. <laughs> That's why I loved it. <laughs> rem- rem- remember the... Remember the narrative of, boy, I mean, if if that's the price tag for Gobert, imagine what Donovan Mitchell's going to get because he's he's the real player yep. in Utah, yep. right? Well, Gobert is 18th on this list, and Donovan Mitchell's 24th. So a panel of 200 people that watch the league closely agree with, with what we're saying, which is actually the best, most valuable player on the Jazz was not Donovan Mitchell. He's a good player. It is the guy that has all this hidden defensive value in, in Rudy Gobert. So, yeah, to to put a bow on that point, if you already have two of the top 25 players in the NBA, so forget about the name and the, you know, the, the baggage that goes with Gobert and the playoff failures and stuff and all that stuff. If you just said, hey, not going to give you any names. You have a playoff team that has two of the top 25 players in the NBA, according to all of these experts that watch the league. They have a chance to trade a small handful of draft picks and uh, a small handful of pretty good role players, but they're going to add another top 25 player to that mix and still have some good role players left over. Do you make the trade? Who says no? Right. I think people are going to want to know, well, who's the player? No. You don't get no. And this is a little off because Anthony Davis was traded a couple years ago and he's aged about as well as an open bottle of wine. But like (laughs) Anthony Davis was traded. Like the Pelicans did pretty well in that trade. If you go back, like they got a lot of good, like Josh Hart's a good player. Brandon Ingram's a good player. They got a lot of picks. Like it also confirms to me too, not that I'm already trying to um, escape what Tim Connolly has built, but any of those guys that are at 18 or above could all be traded tomorrow. I mean, maybe not Chris Paul. Cause again, he is over 50, but any yeah. of those other guys would be traded for four first round picks. Like if you just threw Paul George right now, onto the open market, he's going to fetch you a ton. Kawhi Leonard, a ton. Like Those guys were acquired by paying a ton. So LeBron, I'll just go through the list. How many of these guys get you f- get four first-round picks? I actually think the right team, if made available, would trade all of that for LeBron James. Still. 100%. I, I, I know people might scoff at that, but I think right now if you could get LeBron James, you yes, keep going. He's, the, he's you. number six on this list, which I'm sure he will tape to his – bedroom mirror every single time he wakes up in the morning and sees the don't think I'm a top five player. Uh, Jason Tatum absolutely yep. gets a haul of first round picks. Uh, Kevin Durant, we don't really know because we think there were some offers out there. I don't know. We don't, we don't know at the end of the day what they said no to. John Morant, yes. Uh, Devin Booker, yes. Right? Yep. I'm sure. You, you, so, Jokic, Giannis, these are, I'm I'm presuming the, the top five is Giannis, Luka, Embiid, Jokic, um, and Steph. Probably Steph, I guess, mm-hmm. runs out your top five. So, Well, and yeah. even even if you're scoffing at maybe some of the age of some of these other guys, like when Drew Holiday got traded, I think he's 32 now. I think he was 30 when the Bucks got him. Mm-hmm. Um, he got three first-round picks. So, 
again, these guys in the top 20 are going to get you a ton of assets. So while the Wolves overpaid to get Gobert, um, they got him. He's top 20. So all that worry on July 4th kind of looks a little silly now. And if you do have to, if this experiment of the target centers doesn't work, like then you can pivot. And I think maybe that's something that, well, actually, no, that's something that was discussed when they made this deal is that we're not just screwed here. This isn't just our roster. You can always flip these guys in another yeah. summer because there's going to be a high demand. As I go back to my Daryl Morey thing about you just want talent. You put mm-hmm. as much talent on the floor and then you either coach them up to also be a glue guy and have that dog in them or you go find those guys for cheap, right? You go find an Austin Rivers to play alongside and do you go find a Kyle Anderson? Like you go get those other guys. You worry about that later. You just want talent. And according to this, the Timberwolves have the most top tier talent in the, in the entire NBA. Have we landed on target centers? Is That's that, my is preference. That, is that, I mean, is that I know, you're, um, you're kind of workshopping that. I kind of, yeah, I'm, but I love as anyone who's ever read my written work. I just love cheesy things. Um, Northern Heights is a pretty good one too. That's pretty good. off Northern lights. But yeah, I just think target centers, um, but if you if you have better ones, send them to me. I do want to ask quick, while we're on rankings, I wanted to say it's at the top, but there is one set of rankings that I think you can't argue. There's no debate. Can you quickly rank the four seasons since today is the first sure. day of fall? Uh, number number one, fall. I love fall, so I'm I'm a fall I'm a fall guy. So number one, fall. Uh, for me, number two is summer. Number three is winter, and number four, a distant four is spring for me. I'm I'm not a I'm not a spring guy. Spring is usually either like a false summer or an extended winter, so I'm not a big spring guy. Okay, that's fair. I think now that I'm on the West Coast, I would agree with that. I think winter is still a last place in the Midwest, but um, I just wanted to see if you would have the right one at number one because it's fall. fall. You yeah. know, like it's it's Giannis, and then it's just a major <laughs> gap, and then it's all the other seasons. So. Thank you. I just wanted to confirm that we were both on the same page uh, Dude, as we this celebrate is, yeah. the first day of fall. Oh, it's great. Yeah, the next the next few weeks, the next two months specifically. I mean, just give me give me all of the hooded sweatshirts. And give me any anything that smells like cinnamon or pumpkin, whatever. I'm in. I am in for this. <laughs> I'm just gonna, yeah. yeah, I'm just pumpkin spice lattes and crew neck sweatshirts and like sweatpants <laughs> shorts. Um, it's it, the season is here. So forget about the NBA for a sec. Congratulations to everyone who made it to fall. Yeah. Uh, we were going to do our first segment of Flagrant or No here on Flagrant Howls, but uh, I think we uh, we kind of ran out of time, and we can just save this for next week because yep. these yep, are evergreen enough, including some discussion about the new alternate uniforms we can dive into next week. So Yeah, and uh, I think that we, sh- we should see the City Edition uniforms, those ones that we thought looked like a broken TV. Those should be coming out soon because they're going to start debuting them around media day. So um, we'll get a confirmation on whether or not they look as bad as we thought they did. Awesome, man. All right. Great stuff, Kyle. All right. And by the way, you've seen my write that down batting average. I mean, you can push back at me all day, every day. Just because I'm opinionated doesn't mean that I'm ever correct about anything. So I think you and I are going to have a night. Like, we're going to disagree on some things. We're going to have very respectful, civil disagreements about Timberwolves things here. And, uh, you know, if people want to call us idiots in the comment section, then they can do that. I'd like to also debut at some point, Ask Phil and Kyle. So if you guys ever have questions for us, hit us up in the YouTube comment section, Score North yep. YouTube channel. The uh, our, We're very active on Twitter, and you can always send us messages through the Score North app as well. There's a feedback tab there. So maybe once a week we can do a little, uh, little Ask Kyle and Phil. Basketball questions, questions about life, about the fall lifestyle, <laughs> you know, turtleneck sweaters, whatever whatever it is. Favorite candle. Um, yeah, no, it's... <laughs> 
it's going to be crazy. I mean, this was it. We just have, I told you back in June, we just have to make it till September 22nd because next week the team gets together. We're going to have lots of questions to discuss and, or you know, quotes and comments and hot takes from the players. So um, next week it's going to start to pick up. And then less than two weeks from now, they play their first game against the Heat. Um, and the preseason just then our lives are inundated by fantasy oh. football and basketball. It's going to be great. In- oh. Inject it all into my veins. All right. <laughs> That's a wrap on this episode of Flagrant House. If you could give us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple, if that's where you listen, that would help us spread the word about the show. We'll see you guys next week. Did you know that 61% of pet owners feel more prepared to be a good pet parent after testing with Embark? Embark your dog with Embark's dog DNA test to get hundreds of actionable health insights. You can be proactive with their health and work with your vet on a personalized care plan. Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DNA, that's DNA, to get $60 off an Embark Breed and Health Kit or Purebred Kit with free shipping. That's promo code DNA to save today.